It's Monday, April 1st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Pro and Motley Fool Options, Jeff Fisher. Happy April Fool's Day, guys. <laughs> Happy <laughs> April Fool's Day. It is our Day. holiday here at the Motley Fool. And if you haven't clicked over to fool.com, well, we, we highly encourage you to do so because it is the one day when everyone is a fool. So can I ask a question? We all have kids here. Has anyone, you know, nailed their kids this morning with a good April Fool's joke yet? Did you, were you able to get them? You know what? Uh, we were on spring break last yeah. week. Uh, we were down in, down in your neck of the yeah. woods, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, which by the way, I highly recommend. That is, I'm, I'm so bullish. If I could buy shares of Charleston, South Carolina, it's I would. It's a lovely place. Um, perfectly lovely. So no, today was just, hey, uh, let's <laughs> see if we can actually get everyone awake and off to school. So there was no, maybe That's later today we'll try some Tonight. foolery. That's the challenge. Uh, we're going to talk AT&T and their latest big news. Uh, it's also opening day in Major League Baseball. So we're going to dig into undervalued yeah. and overvalued in the world of baseball. But we're going to start with Tesla. Tesla Motors shares up more than 22% this morning after the company said it will be profitable in its first quarter. Uh, sales are running ahead of schedule. Um, it's the first time it's going to be profitable, uh, Jason. Uh, this is, uh, I don't want to say completely unexpected, but uh, but it's this was, I think, somewhat unexpected news. It, yeah, I mean, it was unexpected news, and it's a pretty heavily shorted stock, too. So when news like this comes out, I guarantee you there are a lot of shorties running for cover. Um but with that said, I mean, I, I, this is one of those companies that, like, I think we we all pretty much are on board with the technology and are, and are rooting for them. I mean, it's it's going to take a long time, I think, for this to kind of play out. But the neat thing I think about Tesla is most people just think about like the Tesla car, the Model S, whatever new model they're coming out with. But I think that the implications of the technology are, are much uh much more farther far reaching than that i mean you know they they help uh with daimler for example in developing battery technology they work with toyota in developing powertrain and while that's not a big part of the revenue at this point i think you know those are the parts i think of this company that are that are going to become more and more attractive as time goes on uh it's it's by far and away no slam dunk it's certainly a more uh speculative bet. I was telling a few people this morning, I call it a spicy meatball. But I think it's one that if you believe in the story, you buy a little bit of it, you sort of tuck it away and just almost forget that you own it. Because, you know, if it hits, it's probably going to you know, do pretty well. And I think with Elon Musk, uh, you know, he's he's not one to give up. So Yeah, I am a big believer in Elon Musk, mm-hmm. like, like many of us maybe. And in the network effects of success, if you want to call it that, the more he succeeds, the more likely he'll continue to succeed right. and he'll attract winners around him and, and so forth. And the, the thing to remember, Tesla doesn't need to be popular among the masses. It just needs to sell well, mostly among the affluent who live in urban areas and drive short distances. And with a, a kind of a groundbreaking company like this, what I look at is the market value, the complete market cap, which last year was you know, at, at times two to three billion dollars. So you want to ask yourself, how high is the ceiling from here? How much bigger can it possibly become? Right now it's five billion dollars for Tesla. Ford, just for reference, they're completely different situations, but Ford is a fifty billion dollar company. But the important thing to to remember with Tesla, kind of like Apple, it doesn't matter how many cars they sell, it matters how much money they make per car. Apple may lose some market share to Samsung, but they're still making the most money per phone by far right. in the industry. So anyway, big believer in Elon Musk and in what he what he can do. It's interesting now he is promoting Solar City, the company his his another of his companies that came public in December. Ticker is SCTY in a tie-in with Tesla now. Once you have your Tesla, why not put solar panels on your 
on the roof of your house, and that can power your car and and your house. Yeah, and the neat thing about Solar City is they they don't actually make those panels either. I mean, they're just in the business of of putting together these sort of energy solutions, so they don't get stuck in like those those panel production wars where it's essentially lowest cost wins. Yeah, they're, they're more of the the sort of the the longer term uh, implications of. of you know, putting that t- that type of technology in your home or or your place of business or whatever. So I think that's uh, yeah, and making it affordable and ex- exactly. Solar City is only one point five bill. I say only one point five billion right now. So same thing with that with an IPO. I look how high is the ceiling? Could this be say a five billion dollar company ten years from now? That would make it well worth it. Uh, but back to Tesla, as Jason said, it's going to be a very a very up and down ride. I didn't want to say bumpy road. I stopped myself. <laughs> uh, the thing to remember, it's still a car company, and they're going to have to invest a lot of money in the new models as they come out. And so the profits probably will not be linear or grow in a linear fashion, and they're still going to be quite small. And the company still needs probably to raise more money. And so it's going to be a, a volatile stock, but I, I, I think like Jason alluded, I'd, I'd be a long-term believer and put some shares away in, in a diversified portfolio. I want to go back to the network effect uh, that you mentioned because we've talked before about uh, sort of on the flip side, companies that are in trouble and essentially to what extent they are running out of time. And what leaps to my mind is JCPenney. It just seems like Ron Johnson, the CEO, has only so much time uh, before that he can turn that company around. This, however, seems like the opposite effect. This seems like one of those situations um, where the longer Tesla succeeds, the more they succeed, um, that it's not just more people buying the cars. But to your point, Jeff, um, what about the large automakers, the Fords, the GMs? To what extent do they look at Tesla and at some point say to themselves, you know what, not only are they not going away, but we need to figure out a way to work with them. We need to figure out, like if you're Ford or GM, is that increasingly how you're going to view a company like Tesla? And this is, by the way, I'm projecting out, not necessarily in a linear fashion, but if over the next 12 months, Tesla you know, continues to improve, continues to make money, is that the move for a Ford or a GM to start to open the door to working with a Tesla? I think what might be more likely first is Ford and GM learn from Tesla. They learn as much as they can, and they start to copy them in whatever ways they can in, in the Leaf or whatever electric car they're putting out next. They may just try to copy some of Tesla's technology and, and, and know-how before maybe eventually working with them if they had to. But yeah, I think that's the key. The difference in the two businesses right now is that Ford and GM have – Extremely uh, large and diverse distribution and production platforms, right? And that's what Tesla is more or less lacking to a degree. But it's also a much smaller audience. But yeah, I mean, I think that uh, you know, as a, as a consumer, we have to be really excited about this because Tesla really is pushing the envelope and sort of developing that new technology that is going to force Nissan and Ford and GM to try to develop as well. So Ford has the Focus Electric, Nissan has the Leaf, GM's still kind of trying to get things figured out. But I think that regardless, as time goes on, the technology will get better for everybody. But yeah, I think I think that as far as electric vehicles go, Tesla's certainly setting the bar. And I mean, again, you see them working with companies like Daimler and Toyota. And there was that, that Mercedes news that was announced recently here just a couple days ago with, with a car that's going to be uh, coming out here using Tesla technology, a Mercedes car. Uh, so I think you probably see more of, of the, those working relationships going forward. But yeah, I think that Jeff's right that GM and Ford and Nissan are really going to 
try to utilize every resource they have to figure this out on their own because the fact of the matter is that they can produce electric cars that are much more affordable for you and me. Shares are at an all-time high. Uh, obviously, the being up 22% <laughs> this morning uh, contribute to that. Even factoring in everything you guys have said about eh, this is this is sort of uh, this has a place in your portfolio, but it's at the growth end, and you, you don't want to think about it too much. Does it interest you at this price, or would you wait for a little bit of a pullback? As a rule breaker type investor, someone looking for a high growth story that has a lot of upside, while I accept the risk that's involved, it would have a place as a you know below 5% position, so a couple percent position, yeah. And I will add, before we move on, Elon Musk is a lot of fun to follow on Twitter, <laughs> as, as as you guys may know. he Well, at one moment, he's talking about the next car that he hopes to produce. The next moment, he's talking about rocket boosters and splashdowns. And between SpaceX and Tesla and now Solar City, he, he has interesting things to say. And then yesterday, he tweeted, about to uh, go on an Easter egg hunt with my children. Happy Easter. So he... <laughs> He, like Richard Branson, the two remind me of one another for obvious reasons. Uh, multiple businesses that are all successes. They're, they're both fun to follow on, on Twitter. Okay, fun to follow for those reasons, not because, hey, last night he was watching Game of Thrones and he was clearly drinking while he was there. Like, it's, he's not one of those people who's <laughs> No, I haven't seen him do that. Although the, the tweet last week where, hey, big news from Tesla next week. That's was, out tomorrow, isn't it? That's I mean, out I think tomorrow. that's out yeah. tomorrow. So I think Charlie and I were sort of speculating. Charlie was speculating, and I, and I think he made some sense there. Maybe he's going to talk about settling up some of the debt that they owe. I don't know. Yeah, he tweeted that he's going to put his money where his mouth is in a big way, and that news comes out from Tesla tomorrow. So All right, Tuesday we will. Keep our eyes peeled for that. AT&T announced a new plan to buy back 300 million shares of stock. This is on top of the $300 million share buyback plans that the company announced last July. What do you make of this, Jeff? I mean, is is this one of the, as someone who has criticized companies like Microsoft and Cisco Systems for blowing money on acquisitions, clearly AT&T is, is going a different route with how they spend their cash. Well, it's curious because they do, they pay a nearly 5% dividend yield and they pay out virtually all of their net income in the dividend yield. Now, there's some financial, you know, uh, i got to be careful with the word I use, but they're paying out much of their income, if not all of it, to, to fund the dividend. And now they're buying back more shares. At the same time, they're investing $14 billion in a new uh, network overhaul. So... It begs the question, like, why are they doing all of this right now? And it's uh, part of the answer. They need to invest in the ne- in the network. But uh, in a bull market like this, almost every stock, you can find good things to say about it. And right now, the market seems to like AT&T quite a bit. And I think in a, when the market turns for a while, when it's a bear market again, everyone's going to remember that this is a highly capital-intensive business. Their margins are not that great. Uh, there are a lot of negatives attached to AT&T. For instance, they have more than $60 billion in debt as it stands. So that they're buying back more shares is, uh, feels to me like a little bit of a bull market decision. Why wouldn't they pay down some of that debt? That, uh, well, right now, debt is cheap, uh, so maybe they don't feel urgent an urgent need to pay it down. But again, Is that it? Uh, it's the ripple effect of free money forever that that, that now it's like, hey, we, we can carry this debt because I, this is the cheapest time in history to carry this kind of debt. But I also question buying back shares now. that The stock the past five years has badly lagged the S&P. The past 10 years has been kind of a market performer, mm-hmm. more or less. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect much more than that going forward. 
Yeah, I don't. They don't have to pay down the debt because it's it's structured out relatively relatively well. I mean, they they don't have any real one big wallop coming. And and you know these telecoms, whether it's it's AT and T and Verizon, essentially it's a duopoly. So they maintain sort of a nice little position there, and that they're not their hand is never really going to be forced. So they can issue bonds, you know, they can issue whatever kind of debt they want. They're going to get relatively low rates. And today, like you said, it's going to be free money, and it's going to be free money for a while. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they've done a good job bringing the share count down. The share count's down over 7.5% uh, over the past five years. But like Jeff said, the stock is really lagging the market. With a business like this being as capital-intensive as it is, and the fact that they really need to focus on building out this wireless network, because we know that's where Verizon's putting all their money, uh, yeah, I would much rather see them focus on paying a dividend as opposed to buying back shares. To me, buying back shares just, it's not even, it's like that screaming value. It's, it's like 15 times uh, 2013 earnings, which, I mean, let's face it, this is a company that did close to $120 billion in sales last year. It's not like it's that small. So the growth expectations are virtually, you know, nil. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I'd much rather see them focus on the dividend and not worry about share buybacks. Yeah, and I think part of what the market's looking forward to is this network overhaul, $14 billion, that should end sometime in 2015 or so. They're looking forward to that because then all of a sudden free cash flow should jump. Yep. But I think that's kind of short-sighted because within – I'd say within a year or two, they're going to be talking about, if not investing in their next overhaul. 6G. <laughs> 6G, exactly. Um, you guys were talking about AT&T's performance versus the market. You look over the last couple of years, it's actually trailing Verizon. And and I don't own shares of either, but it's always struck me as Verizon – uh, at least from a perception standpoint, seemed like it had more challenges it was facing. But when you look at the stock performance, it's actually done significantly better than AT&T. Do, do either of those companies interest you guys as investors? Or did everything you just say about how capital intensive it is and the debt, even though it's cheap right now, does that put you off? You know, if if I owned some funds in an IRA or something like that, 401k, I would expect to own these companies in those giant yeah, funds. Yeah, I mean, AT&T is part of the Dow, so yeah, it's and, almost unavoidable. And that would cover it. I wouldn't go out of my way to buy them separately. Yeah, I think if I was 20 years older, I might be focused on something like uh, Verizon uh, or an AT&T as, as a nice sort of dividend play, but not, not now. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, it is opening day for Major League Baseball, although I think our producer, Matt Greer, Houston native Matt Greer, <laughs> would be quick to point out that the opening game was, Astros. in fact, Sunday night, and his Houston Astros are 1-0. Oh. Mac, Mac would like the season to end right now. Exactly. Right. Right. If right. Right. <laughs> exactly. The Astros qualify for the playoffs immediately. Um, uh, Yahoo Sports put together a list of the best and worst teams in Major League Baseball in terms of their, you know, sort of their value uh, and how they spend their money. Uh, the top five in terms of how they spend their money, Tampa, San Diego, the Oakland Athletics, no surprise to anyone who saw the movie Moneyball or read the book, uh, Miami and Cleveland, the bottom five, the five worst teams in terms of how they spend their money, the terribly named Los Angeles Anaheim Angels. That's you know what? Uh, and when you're my age, it's like, you know what? They're the California Angels. Yeah. Uh, Detroit Tigers, Minnesota Twins, and not surprisingly, the Boston Red Sox and New York Yankees. We were talking earlier about sort of the the value propositions when it comes to baseball. We all have kids. I think I think we've all been to baseball games with our kids. For my money, minor league baseball is the greatest value in, oh, in, in all of baseball because, and we're fortunate enough to live in an area where there are a few <laughs> options in terms of single and double A baseball teams. But 
it's just so great to be able to go because particularly when you have younger kids, they're not looking to stick around for all nine innings. <laughs> so my kids at their at their school, they have like these reading challenges every year, and if they you know they they set their challenge, they reach their goal, and they get free tickets to the Potomac Nationals right down down the road here. And so we've been a, been to a few of those games, and you're right, they are. I mean, whether whether you get a free ticket or you pay the whopping six bucks to go, yeah, exactly. I mean, it is really a fun experience. It took me back to my childhood going to those kinds of games with my dad because you're sitting really close up, you're really what witnessing tomorrow's talent out there today. And uh, so, yeah, that, that's really, I think, a lot of fun to do. I have to agree, Chris. Uh, minor league baseball is a great deal. Best bang for the buck. Uh, compare that to you will, really don't usually want to go see a minor league band, minor league, air right. quotes, band <laughs> perform. That can be painful. But yeah. when, it, when it comes to baseball, you can. Were you, as a Chicago native, were you happy to see that the Chicago Cubs were not, in fact, on the list of uh, sort of the the worst offenders in terms of how they spend their money? I feel best when they are completely under the radar, when people aren't saying <laughs> that this is the year. Uh, there, there's still some hope. That's why I'm nervous about the Washington Nats right now. As uh, Everyone is picking the Nationals to win the World Series. Uh, I mean, uh, it's an overstatement to say everyone, but... Most prognosticators are looking at the Washington Nationals and saying, yeah, they're the team this year. Yeah, the Washington Post yesterday in the preseason flyer pamphlet that came out, first paragraph mentions the World Series before the season has <laughs> even started. And that, that, I think everybody's really amped because they, they, you know, they played out the, their strategy last year of putting Strasburg sort of on the back burner and, and not really, you know, utilizing him in the playoffs. But we were talking about this before taping. And I mean, they've done such a great job of focusing on two big talents there in Harper and Strasburg and, and really, you know, if you can attract a couple of guys, it just takes a couple of guys, really. You get a couple of guys in there really for the long haul and it creates sort of this notion that you have a, a, a winning environment and yeah. just more people want to be a part of that. So I suspect if they continue to do that, that they are, they'll, they'll be good for a long time to come. And I gotta believe there's a World Series appearance in there within in the there. next decade. They, they, they might just have a sophomore slump this yeah. year. Yeah, very, but, very likely. But uh, I mean, Davey Johnson, again, another great example. You gotta keep that guy there. He's just, God, you listen to that guy ever. He does these interviews with the sports junkies in the morning sometimes. He's just such a fun interview to listen to. He's yeah. great. I'd still buy him. I'd, I'd yeah. put them in the portfolio. Yeah. Um, would you buy, sell, or hold the Chicago Cubs winning a World Series? in your lifetime. <laughs> I'm 43 years old now. For my grandfather, rest in peace, who passed away in 1980s, uh, I have to buy the Cubs. We're, we're still hoping together. He he lived to be almost 90, hoping to see the Cubs wow. oh. get to a World Series. And- All right, fingers crossed for that. Jeff Fisher, Jason Moser. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.